Resonate is a community that loves like Jesus, and we want you to experience that with us together. I want to encourage you to tune in to this online broadcast each and every week or attend our weekly gathering in Sherwood at 10 a.m. You also can join in on one of our community groups that meet during the week either here at the church building or in homes. So to find out more about our community or to give to our ministry, please visit our website at ResonateLife.org. Well, I want to do a little housekeeping before we get started on this next sermon in the series. And we're going to take a quick look at our finances, just briefly. We as a church have been doing a great job in this last year, but really all through COVID. We've been doing a great job in meeting our financial goals as a church and meeting some of the marks that we've had, some of the goals. Vine and Sparrow has covered, our event center has covered some of our expenses, which is super nice and a blessing. And we're super grateful for Jessica Love in helping us in that endeavor. Well, this last month, we noticed that some of the bookings have been down and we were about $5,000 behind in our finances, which seems like a lot. And we were not able to pull as much from Vine and Sparrow for the month because of the bookings. They just were not there. So we want you to take a fresh look at your finances going into the fall. We're taking a fresh look at everything and we're asking our congregation as a whole to take a fresh look at your giving. And if you could get on a regular giving schedule, that would sure help us a lot in, in planning. So please consider your giving and how you give. Take a fresh look at them. Take your giving to God and help us figure, figure life out here in the next handful of months. As we are going into a season that's possibly less bookings as well, we need some of our giving to increase. And so if you want to find out more about how to give to our ministry, go to ResonateLife.org and you can get on the Give page and you can sign up for a regular giving schedule. And we're super thankful for you who give to our ministry. So that was our little housekeeping. So on to our current series, which we're calling A Priest and a Physicist Walk Into a Bar. So today's sermon is titled Science and the Supernatural. So I've been cherry, cherry picking uh, uh, scripture verses throughout the Bible that talk about our minds and how God wants us to use our mind. So Isaiah 118 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are like red crimson, they will be like wool. And I love that scripture and that phrase, let us reason together with the Lord. And this sets the tone for how God wants us to interact with him. God invites us to reason with him, worshiping with our minds as well as our hearts. But he even encourages through scripture, as I read, a little bit of pushback if things don't make sense. We see in the biblical record that blind faith is not a biblical faith. I do not believe in going through life just with blinders on. God asks us to open our eyes and encourages us to see with reason. Why? Because God is a reasonable God and he created reasonable people and we are to use our brain. And as I've said in the past few weeks, we are not to check our brain at the door. And this is important because Last week and the week before, I talked about young people leaving the church, and they're leaving the church in large numbers. Why? One of the main reasons why is they think faith and science are incompatible. 
And I don't believe that faith and science are incompatible. I think that they can live in the same room and, and they can cohabitate. And we're to, here to say not at all that they can cohabitate. They are not incompatible. So we encourage people here to think, to wrestle, and to reason. We encourage intellectual wrestling with biblical concepts and hot topics, right? Because it produces people who are able to thoroughly defend their faith. So let's recap a little bit, because I know the last several weeks, each week somebody comes up to me and asks lots of questions or has a little bit of confusion here or there, and I want to just clarify and summarize each week and what we talked about. And if you're tuning in for the first time, this, for the first time in this series, this is a great way just to get caught up right up to uh, week this week, week number four. So our first week of this, we talked about the subject in general and how science and religion can be compatible and live in the same room. They're not incompatible. So we talked about the imaginary divide that people put up between science and Christianity and how we don't need to reject one for the other. But we have had some we had some good thoughts that came out of that and information about science and religion. And one thing that was, was said in our Q&A time is that science and religion need to stay in their own lanes because they're not the same discipline. Science is not something to believe in. Science is a process. It's a method with its own principles and rules. Christianity is something, Christ is someone to believe in. And science is something that has a method to it. It's a tool that we can use to understand the physical world. Christianity in the Bible is a tool that we can understand the spiritual supernatural world. So our second week, we answered the God question. Can I even believe in God? Is God really real? Is there room for it? So we use the Big Bang, actually, to point to a moment of singularity and discussed following the natural all the way back to that single point where then beyond that point, the supernatural would have to take over. We also use the concept of anthropic fine-tuning to show the statistical probability of impossible that all this is in balance because of chance. Well, last week, some of you looked at me a little bit dazed and confused, so I want to recap this last week the most, and this is what we talked about. Science is not a worldview, yet some people use it as a worldview. They see everything through the filter of science, that everything that exists has to fit within a certain scientific method. Those that believe, those that believe in this, that science is a worldview, they argue for determinism. The counter-argument for determinism, where everything is determined, the counter-argument for that is free will. So the problem with determinism is there is no explanation for chemical reactions becoming self-aware on their own. So the fact that we actually have a consciousness tells me that determinism is not a valid idea. So since we are free will beings and we say, I think, therefore I am, then I have the possibility of believing beyond what science shows me in a methodology. I have the possibility then of believing in the supernatural as the creator of consciousness. I also have the, the possibility of believing in the supernatural as creator of thought and hope and love and faith and etc. All the things that do not fit 
within the science and cannot be shown in the scientific method. Well, this week we are allowing space for science and the supernatural in a different way. So since miracles were brought up in our first week Q&A discussion in our live service, I thought it would be really important to take some time to address miracles and how miracles and science sometimes are at odds with one another. Because many skeptics allege that there is an inherent conflict between science and believing in miracles. And they point to the law of nature and physics and think science has proven that miracles don't happen. They believe that biblical miracles must be a fabricated legend or a mistaken perception of some reality. Well, we are here to say that that is not that it is not irrational to believe in miracles. And they are not even in necessarily in conflict with science. And I want to give you four arguments to show you that fact. So first, I'm just going to use this concept that the map is not the territory. The map is not the territory. When you look at a map, let's say you look at the map of Oregon, the map of Oregon that you're looking at, paper, is not Oregon, or on your phone, on your device, or on the computer, or whatever. The map of Oregon is not the physical place of Oregon. It's a sign, it's a symbol, it's a directional map. You can learn a lot from the map of Oregon, but it's not Oregon. And those that insist that science disproves the existence of miracles are mistaking their map for the territory. Maps just focus on what they're trying to describe. But you can never look at a map and fully encompass, feel, and know, and perceive all that Oregon is. So that map will not tell you about the reality of the place. It won't tell you about the texture of the sand on the shores of the coast or the sound of the wind in the tr- on the trees on Mount Hood. You won't know from a paper map or a device map. You won't know about the politics and the taxes and the culture and the people and the community that all live here in Oregon. So mistaking our map for the territory is actually a common mistake we make. It's faulty logic when we think that our understanding and our perspective of something encompasses an entire reality. A map gives us a perspective. A map gives us some ideas and some thoughts, maybe describes some things or gives us a direction to follow. But it cannot understand the entire, help us understand the entire reality. Well, this idea of the map uh, does not describe uh, it does not encompass the entire territory. This is, this is a psychological tool where someone's perspective is not necessarily reality. So if I have a perspective of something and I have an idea of something, that idea or that perspective or what I've conjured up in my brain is not necessarily reality. I think we've gone through a lot of that over the last couple of years, actually, that my perspective is not necessarily what is actually happening. So that reality can be totally different than the perspective that I have. And that perspective needs to consider, okay, so this is what science needs to consider, that maybe there's something different if allowed, but science doesn't allow itself for the supernatural. But if I have a perspective, I need to consider that there could be something beyond my perspective. 
If I have an idea or a thought pattern or a process or a method of how I do something, there might be a different process, there might be a different method, there might be a different reality that can't be considered in my equation. Well, since science is a method that doesn't consider, again, the supernatural in the equation, so this is not allowed in the method. So it's a map. It's a map that gives a perspective. Yet the reality that we are just a blob of chemical reactions, that, that we have a consciousness. We have emotions. We have feelings of love and hope. And, and that goes beyond. That's our reality. And that goes beyond what the map really was ever to consider in their process. So when it comes to miracles, the scientific method is a map, but it does it is not the territory. So the, in the map, miracles are not considered. So the map provides answers to certain questions about the mechanics of the physical world, but it doesn't help us understand the spiritual or supernatural world. It helps us understand how things are to be analyzed and the relationship between cause and effect, and it describes how things work by deconstructing them in their smallest constituent parts, but it cannot answer certain things beyond what the map was meant to answer. It's a map that was never to describe all of reality. So the scientific method can't say anything about God or why we exist or really the supernatural angels and demons and such, right? So, so to consider or to actually maybe put in your, in your bank of, of knowledge, use your mind of reason and think, wow, the scientific method doesn't talk about the existence of God. Or miracles. It doesn't consider miracles. It doesn't consider angels. It doesn't consider the soul. Why am I trying, trying to force it to consider those things? Why can't I, as a free will being, consider those things? You can't take the restrictions of a methodology and impose them on all of life, including spirituality, Christianity to science, and science to Christianity. So angels and demons and souls and God and resurrection and spirit all lay outside of the parameters of the discipline. So the assumption is that all things need to be analyzed through the method, yet cannot. So therefore, the assumption is they don't exist. No, they do exist. It's just outside the parameters. It's like a fishing net that science will never catch all of reality and was never meant to. So science is important. Science is, I believe, one of those necessities of life to understand how the physical world through a process and methodology works. But science is not a worldview again. Science is not a belief system. Science is not God. And science was never, uh, never created to understand the supernatural world or what goes beyond its parameters. So to insist otherwise in either camp is incredibly arrogant. How can we know that our maps encompass all of reality? So if we are a scientist that believes that all things need to be filtered through the scientific method, how can we know that our maps encompass all of reality? We can't. We don't know what we don't know. And what you don't know is how our map relates to the territory. So we simply cannot say this, that science defines all of reality. We have no way of knowing that. Well, number two argument is, I believe the evolutionary theory itself requires belief in transcendent 
realities. And, and here we go. This is a little more complicated, and so I'll try to do it systematically and, and summarize really well. So if a, science, if a scientist accepts naturalistic evolution meaning that nature in and of itself brought about human beings without an outside force. This itself assumes there are realities that are beyond our current comprehension. It requires us to believe there are things that are not on our map. There's an assumption there that's more at play that our methods can't cover. So if I relate myself to an animal, let's say a dog, and a dog has limitations because a dog's map is limited. A dog's brain is less evolved than my brain. I'm higher up on the evolutionary chain, right? So they a dog only understands a certain level of things. And so since I'm an evolved brain, I can understand things like math and space and time and the planets. And I can understand politics and world struggles and such. But the dog doesn't understand such things. A dog doesn't understand math and a dog doesn't understand politics, let's say. So I understand calculus or, or I can try to understand calculus, but the dog can't understand calculus. So let's say the dog can only understand 5% of what I can understand. Yet there's one thing. I can also understand as a higher evolved being I can understand the dog's limitations of what the dog can understand and what I can understand that's beyond the dog's understanding. So as the dog is limited down the evolutionary chain and I'm up on the evolutionary chain, I also need to understand that my brain is limited too. The dog's brain is limited, but my brain is limited. There are physical limitations to my ability and understanding. So what is it to me, what... So what is to me what calculus is to the dog? What is that calculus that the dog doesn't understand? What is it that I don't understand? So this, this existence that I have has built-in limitations. It is said that there is 95 million years of evolution between humans and such things as dogs. So all of the things that we understand that dogs do not took about 95 million years to bring us to the point of what I understand. So my brain is more evolved and took 95 million years to grow in understanding to what I am today. So the question is, what additional knowledge could we have? Could I have 95 million years in the future? What realities and principles will we understand that we can't even comprehend right now? What will be like the dog doesn't understand calculus? What will be my new calculus? I mean, what is that that I'm going to understand? So the theory of naturalistic evolution never assumes that there's an end point in the process. Everything our distant descendants will know is in 95 million years already exists though today. We just have no comprehension of it. It's going on all around us. The limitations of our current stage of physical evolution makes us unable to access entire realms of reality that are happening right now. Well, our brains develop, as it's predicted, 1% every million years. So in 95 million years from our current brains, we will be as dogs to ours now. So if you have absolute faith in science, then by the very definition of science, 
you must admit that there's that you have to have humility in this order because the reality that 95 million years from now already exists today but we can't conceive of it we can't understand it because our brains are not developed enough to understand it and if we don't understand all realities right now there must be transcendent realities that are happening and those transcendent realities i see them as a rumor of angels. See there's hints of angels all around us that we see everywhere. Just looking around, you see hints of the world that go beyond the material. You see hints of the supernatural. You see hints of God moving and shaping in people's lives that go beyond their self-doing. Just like being self-aware and making choices, being a free will being this in and of itself is something the scientific method can't explain well the hints of angels can't be explained either we tried to break down the brain into the smallest constituent parts but the well, we can't explain self-consciousness what makes us think that we can explain the things that work outside the scientific method like angels and spirit and soul and heaven and god and hope and beauty and love and eternal life so if we swear by science then we have no alternative than to conclude that consciousness, this thing that we experience, is really just fake. It's an illusion. But science says that there is no true freedom. It's determined, right? Breaks it down into cause and effect, meaning that everything is predetermined and that, that we're not truly free. But that, what that means is I'm not really real. My emotions aren't real. My life experience is not real. My life experience is just a collection of chemical reactions. That's simply not true. I'm a free will being. I can make choices. God created me this way. And therefore, I can see and I can experience life beyond the physical. This is where our faith comes into play. This is where the supernatural relationship that we can have with God comes into reality that's not spoken about on the map. And as I live life and I experience people and I experience relationships with others and I develop more and more relationships through my life, I see God working in very, very mysterious ways. I see God working in ways that I don't understand, that are not just chemical reactions with no truth. I see, I see things that happen in people's lives that are incredible, that God has carried them through unexplainable situations. Just love. Look at love. I can't explain love with the scientific method. I can't explain beauty and awe and wonder with the scientific method. I can explain that with the, with the uh, supernatural method. I can't explain that with the scientific method. And so therefore, there are hints of angels all around me. There's hints of angels that, that I can't even see. The transcendent reality that God exists and his presence is real and here right now with us. And people, this is my fourth argument, people have experienced such things. I cannot negate people's experiences of supernatural occurrences. Those who say science rules out miracles cannot answer the unexplainable things that perfectly sane people swear that they've experienced. Now, you could say they were just delusional. They were mentally ill. You could go that far. You could say they were on something or they were having one of just these, one of these um, imbalanced moments. You can say that maybe about some people, but I can't say that about everybody. 
that has had unexplainable things that have happened to them. They've witnessed things. They've been healed. They've, they've had spiritual awareness. God has literally spoken to them. They've seen people that have, have had demons excised out of them. They're perfectly sane people, and they've experienced unexplainable things. So there's a book called Miracles. The author is Craig Keener. And Craig Keener explores various accounts of miracles throughout uh, history. These are tomes, two-part series, just big books about, about biblical miracles and also just miracles in the world. And he analyzes miracles and their credibility. And there are stories involving multiple, multiple witnesses, perfectly sane people, perfectly mature, intellectual, knowledgeable people, successful people, right? On the, on the world success markers, they, they hit all these markers. They're not having moments. They're not on anything. They're not having any kind of delusion. And there's multiple witnesses of people experiencing unexplainable things, and they're experiencing unexplainable things as well. Well, one of these stories uh, was a woman named Edith Turner. And she later wrote a paper called The Reality of Spirits. And she tells a story of an exorcism she witnessed in Africa. And this is what she says. I saw with my own eyes. And I love that. I saw with my own eyes. So she is witnessing something extremely spiritual and unexplainable, a large gray blob of something like a plasma emerged from the sick woman's back. Then I knew that the Africans were right. So these African, this African tribe was explaining to her that these spiritual things were happening. So she goes and she starts to live amongst these Africans to try to witness these things. And finally, she knew that the Africans were right. There is spiritual things happening. There's spiritual affliction that isn't a matter of metaphor. It's not a matter of symbol or even a form of psychology. It is real. That's what she said. Very credible person. And so when I hear these stories, we have to admit that there are some things that science just cannot explain. We have good reason to believe in the supernatural. And our limited brains, the 95 million year devolved brain, right? right Here I am at the dog level and 95 million years, I'll understand even more. But my brain right now does not capture most of reality. And I believe there are hints of angels all around us. There's spiritual ideas and things that are happening all around us that the scientific method does not and it was never not to, meant to explain. And so this raises the question, which is out of the scope of this sermon, really, that what miracles are possible and why do they seem random and what miracles are happening today and why, you know, like why do some people get healed and others not? There's lots of questions around miracles that we can cover in another sermon. But this sermon is about the allowance for miracles, And I believe the world is so much more complicated than we can ever understand or explain. But the one thing that we can trust is that even though the appearance of miracles seems very inconsistent, arbitrary, happens here, happens there, doesn't happen to me, God is not arbitrary. God has a plan for all the presence, all the things that happen that are unexplainable. So our expectations shape our experiences. 
So while some people go too far and attribute every little occurrence to miracles, it's not healthy to go the opposite and deny all miracles because you think they don't exist. Well, both are flawed. And so with this, one thing is certain. If you don't believe in the possibility of miracles, you won't be praying for the possibility of miracles. You probably won't be seeing, your eyes won't be open to actually seeing miracles. So the faith of the New Testament is very clear that there is a supernatural presence and a supernatural world. And the possibility of the supernatural is supposed to be a part of our experience and belief ideas in Christianity. And so we have to be open to things that we don't understand. We don't have to put ourselves in the box of a method or a process. We can look outside that method of a process into the supernatural. God allows us and tells us to actually do that and to be looking for the hints of angels that are the rumors of angels that are all around us. So many of us can attest to supernatural things happening in our lives. We've seen God show up in our life. You can attribute things to, that's a God thing in our life. Some of you have seen healings, the presence of God, the, sp the speaking of God. You've, you've been witnesses of such things. And most people intuitively agree that science can't explain everything. It can't explain everything. And that is because science simply was not meant to explain everything, including miracles. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for miracles. We pray, Lord, that our congregation, we as people, our community, would experience miracles and that we would see them and pray for them. Lord, we are so thankful for the miracle of life. Lord, the miracle of life that the scientific process and method just tells us about, but we also are very thankful for the supernatural miracle. Lord, the supernatural miracle of eternal life, the supernatural miracle of Jesus and the resurrection. Lord, and we put our faith and our hope in those things. So Lord, thank you, Lord, that you have a relationship with us that is also a miracle. And so Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.